1: Happy Pride Month, bitches.
0: Oh, shit. Quarantine Pride. Pride 2020. Mm.
1: Corn Pride. Pride and Teen. Can't wait to see the hashtags that come out
0: from right. this. Pride alone. Hashtag. (laughs) Sad. um, Sad
1: alone. Hashtag pride. Yeah.
0: The saddest part is that like so many people are just not going to have their batteries charged now. I'm going to be running on empty all year.
1: You got You got to self charge.
0: You know what? That's true. Immerse
1: yourself in everything that is pride. I'm say I'm telling you like
0: walk around your house naked with gay music playing all day.
1: Put that pride lips on blast You know, get your small group of friends that you're allowed to be with. Maybe, you know, three or four people. So you're thinking with
0: people. I'm like, all right, (laughs) we're going to be alone. That's the (laughs) thing about Pride is being
1: around other queer people. You get around. You can't get around. You can't have a huge party, but you can get around a couple people. And you can, you know, have a little mini
0: party Mm -hmm.
1: at your house. That's safe. Um, and if you can't be around people, you can have virtual parties. There's so oh, many virtual parties. I did parties. download
0: house party or whatever. Yes. That is so fun. Isn't it? Yes.
1: See, we should play I actually had an idea about that. I did it I with my, um, it.
0: my work group and, yeah. um, my work group, my team at work mm-hmm. and with my boss and everything. And one of, we did the guac and chips and guac or whatever, which is like the cards against humanity. Um, and one of the, the black cards was, um, big D energy uh-huh. and he had no idea what that meant. Nice. So I had to explain that to him. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Fun conversations with the boss, you know?
1: I was going to ask you, because you don't have to have your f- the phone number of the people to do house party, right? Mm-hmm. Or do they have to be in your
0: No, phone? you can add them by the username. You can add them yeah. by username. Okay,
1: so. Um, but yeah. But... Um, yeah, you can have a lot of cool virtual parties. The one thing we're finding out is you can do a lot of stuff online, which we knew that, but I just think that we, because we don't like to live in that world. And because
0: the world, yeah, it wasn't forced on us. So now that we have to adapt, I think it's very eye opening of all of the things you can do.
1: Exactly. How connected you really can be and really can feel. Mm -hmm. So, you know, immerse yourself in the queer culture as much as possible. Enjoy everything that you can. Don't let, don't let pride die just because we can't have the pride. At
0: least this didn't happen on the 50th anniversary of pride. Yeah. Right. That would have sucked. <laughs> like that would have been really rough. Like, like wow. wow,
1: karma. Jesus doesn't want us to have this. <laughs> At least we got the 50 years and you know what? We'll be back next year. And there's still pride events that happen throughout the end of the year. Oh yeah. And just, it's not going to be as big, in but September. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of places that will have pride later on in the year. So, you know, that's Okay. Um, you can Halloween still find is way. just going
0: to be fucking wild this year. That's yeah, all. Yeah, that's going to be. Late. Halloween, take use your energy that you were going to put into pride and put it into Halloween. Yeah, that will be a fucking. Which was blast. the original
1: pride, exactly. so it's okay. It
0: makes sense.
1: We've come full circle. <laughs> um, and one way to show your pride when you're out and about, if you're running to the grocery store or if you're able to, I don't know what the restrictions are, take a walk in your neighborhood, you can get our pride merch.
0: Oh, and we've we got have it available. Some nice stuff. I spent. Wake up, Paul! I spent. I am awake. That's the sad part. I spent a lot of time designing some really cute Pride 2020. It was like minimalist, but very like you know the Pride colors, and I thought it was really on point. And I was so <laughs> excited. And then they're like, "Congratulations! Pride is shut down." Yeah, but they're really cute. Um, they're go on sale for the shirts. Go on sale for as low as thirteen dollars. Um, Just tote bags. Which is the cheapest you're going to get for Pride yeah. merch, no matter what. Like, you're not going to find another company or business or group of people offering merchandise for less than 25 So, Exactly. So, our stuff goes on sale regularly. We have everything you could ever imagine. $2 stickers, like... We got it all. You
1: can set up a sticker on top of anything. You can get yourself a a mug, a travel mug. Yeah, we have some cute mugs. Yep. Um, All kinds of everything that you could think of. We even have masks. And as we said before, there is a medical grade mask um, that is donated to uh, people in the field every time you buy one of ours. So our masks are a little more expensive. But it's because you're donating a mask when you buy. And also it's it's a good quality. The mask that you buy is not medical grade. But it is a good quality, like cloth mm. material. So, yeah. Um, so lots of ways to still show your pride, even if you're not marching in a parade.
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: And then another thing that last week we <clears throat> officially launched our LGBTQ virtual support group that meets from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard American Time on Fridays. All you have to do is email your queer story at Gmail and we screen everybody that joins that group and then it is a video conference so like a zoom type feel and um, there's a confidentiality agreement that everybody signs before they join and there are ways to for us to protect people it's not 100 percent sure because you're on a video conference but um it's for queer people who have unsupportive families or environments and so if you're interested email your queer story at gmail and um we can set up a screening for you
0: yep um we should just go into it right yeah
1: so uh, yeah i think we should we should get into it and um let's start
0: so we've officially launched into the most magical time of the year and even though this year will look a lot different than usual we can still make june as queer as possible in order to honor the struggles of those before us we will be covering some grim yet necessary parts of our lgbtq plus history this month (laughs) Before we explore the pain and struggles of our people, we want to start off with a celebration of the music and anthems that have marched us through our darkest time, which you can find this playlist along with a few additional uh, songs on our YouTube channel. Yep. So that's just go to YouTube and search your queer story and our page will pop up.
1: Yeah, Playlist of all the stuff that we put in here. And I, we're still trying to find a way to share a playlist. I have like a pride playlist that's all queer artists. Um, that I've done before, and then there's going to be an article that has new new queer artists. This mm-hmm. is about stuff that's mostly in the past, everything pre two thousand. But I'll have a, like just straight LGBTQ plus artists. Um, that that'll be an article. I'm trying to find a way to share that as a Spotify playlist as well. But um, but yeah, it is going to be a little rough. We're going to talk about the AIDS crisis, and then we're going to talk about finally the, we're getting there. We've, we've been promising for two years, and we're finally getting to the AIDS crisis. And then I think we're talking about the upstairs uh, lounge fire. Um, mm. so so there's two like really dark places. So I was like, we have to have at least something that's uplifting. Yeah, so at
0: least you know. <laughs> You can come back to this episode in the future. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. After you listen about the age, you can come back here and be like, okay. Okay. Let's bring our energy back up.
1: Right. And music is what got us through those times mm-hmm. too. That's the thing, you know, we danced away through in like the hardest times of our history. So we do want to point out that many of these songs and artists were not queer themselves. A lot of them were. not. A, I thought more people weren't going to be queer, but a lot of the people that I, I covered would. Also, disclaimer... There are 5,000 songs that have been used as LGBTQ anthems. So please, this is not a definitive list if that's not possible because everybody sees different songs as an anthem. These are some of your main songs that you'll hear. But, yeah, you're right. We're going to miss some songs. We're going to miss a lot of songs. You're going to be like, I cannot believe you didn't cover this artist. Who are you? You're right. Okay. The, the, we don't have fucking all day people. Just this is a one reciting, hour podcast.
0: Reciting names and of songs for an hour and a half. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
1: Just going down a list. Mm-hmm. Every song that Queen sang, you know, like we can't do that. Okay. So um, just this is. these are ones that have uh, most of these have like a history in them. And so that's why I chose these songs. Just, I'm just defending myself ahead of time because yeah. I can't wait for the people to message us. Make
0: sure you are messaging Evan directly. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I have nothing to do with this. <laughs>
1: okay. Um, so anyway, even though a lot of these artists aren't queer themselves, which was due to society's rejection of the LGBTQ, and that prevented record labels and radio stations from signing and playing queer musicians. However, music speaks to all people regardless of who they are or even the message intended. Despite the pushback and open hostility of for those around them, our people still sang, still danced, still marched along to the rhythm with pride. So let's dive into a list of the most notorious and rousing anthems of our past.
0: And of course, we must start with the song that launched it all, 1939's Somewhere Over the Rainbow. You can't even pretend that that's not about pride. (laughs) Right? There are countless brick roads that led us to the reasons the rainbow has become a symbol of queer pride, but one of the strongest theories is tied to the Friends of Dorothy, a term coined in the late 40s and used especially during the 1950s and 60s by gay men who wanted to reveal their orientation without fear of being arrested or beaten. If you knew what, you know, if you went up to somebody and you were said yeah. you were a friend of Dorothy's and they didn't know what the, they were like who the fuck is Dorothy? You're and like, you'd be like "Oh, sorry. <laughs> you don't you, know Dorothy. I thought you were some I thought you were a friend, sorry." Yeah. Um, yeah. So a similar term was used in England, except the British used the term friends of Mrs. King, a wink at the term queen, which was already known as a reference to a gay man.
1: Yeah, so they couldn't be like, are you a friend of Mrs. Queen? Then that might be too obvious, but they could say Mrs. King and you still be like Here's Mrs. King. Oh, Mrs. King. <laughs> I got to use my British accent. That's coming along great. <laughs> Queers in America chose the phrase Friends of Dorothy due in part to the LGBTQ popularity of the song Somewhere Over the Rainbow and due to the extreme fandom in the queer community over The Wizard of Oz star Judy Garland, which in general you can find pages on the internet about the queer meanings in *The Wizard of Oz* and how the Cowardly Lion is a dandelion, and that means that he's oh my God. Uh, one of the he's
0: a gay. Re- Reinterpreting the entire movie. <laughs> exactly
1: *The Wizard of Oz* means nothing, but if you you can also but again art is subjective, mm-hmm. so like if you want to interpret it, you can. So, um, but people were very like the gay man. Judy Garland was there. I don't know. They're Ariana Grande. They're Britney. They're Britney. Yes. Judy Garland was their Britney. In fact, she paved the way for these tragic stars where they're so scrutinizing the media and they're they're hated. And that's also why often the queer community is so drawn to those stars that are so hated and mm-hmm. polarized. The actress had a huge following among LGBTQ supporters for many reasons. For one... She kept marrying gay men and didn't seem that bothered by their affairs with other men. She's two like, men. How does this keep happening to me? <laughs> oh my. <laughs> She'd married at least two men. They that all were told gay. me they were
0: friends of Dorothy and I thought they loved me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like we connect on so many things. <laughs> for another reason, she was known to support queer artists and even managed a few and had them open for her act. That's awesome. Yeah, she knew she knew many gay people and she was always very supportive. And like we said, it seems at least one husband she knew for sure was gay and she was she was fine with it. And the yeah. other one, I think it was her first husband, she didn't know, but then she found out and she still supported him and they had a great friendship. Good
0: for her. Yeah.
1: But there are plenty of personal reasons why the LGBTQ community related to Judy. <clears throat> she was one of the first actresses to be mercilessly dragged through the mud by the media and tabloid magazines. Her mannerisms were considered too masculine, and her weight was too heavy. Many lesbians related to the scrutiny and Garland's defiance of traditional beauty standards. Queer people as a whole related to the tragedy around her life. No matter how hard she tried, Judy was consistently rejected by society, maligned, and misunderstood. Which
0: so that's the crazy part because she was still a huge star right she was the star yeah and it like it's so crazy that the same people who say they love you are the ones who will tear you down and like scrutinize every fucking aspect of you she
1: was so big and then and it's true because it's so sad that like i mean you look at judy garland i'm a big judy garland fan so i've watched most of her movies i'm i might have seen all of them and i mean first of all the way like her when they say masculine mannerisms, it was because she had a little bit of a low voice and she didn't, you know, walk like she was on air. You know, she wasn't Grace Kelly. So people are like, you're too manly, Mm -hmm. Judy. But she was winning. Why don't you have
0: a nice sway in your hips, little lady? That would make everything better. It
1: was all this stuff. And Judy's like, that's not me. But she was putting out these incredible performances and Mm -hmm. people love the performances, but at the same time, they wanted to hate her. And It's so annoying.
0: (laughs) Eventually, her depression did end in suicide. That brought it down real quick. Yep, sorry, sorry. sorry. First
1: line in the next segment. The paragraph.
0: She, she died just days before the Stonewall riots in 1969, and some had, have even attributed the queer community's grief over Garland's death as fuel for the fires of anger and unrest that had swept Greenwich Village. It was because of her death and her life that somewhere over the rainbow became a cult classic in LGBTQ circles, and is largely responsible for the rainbow becoming our symbol of hope and pride. Yeah.
1: So again, you can't trace any of these things direct, like to one specific thing, but it was just like the rainbow kept coming up in conversations, and so and that's and then once the rainbow flag was made, that solidified it. But mm-hmm. the reason that the rainbow always came up was because of. Because of somewhere over the rainbow, but also because of Judy's life, because it was like she kept pushing through. Like in the end, she lost the battle to depression, but she did keep fighting, and that was what was so resilient to the queer community mm-hmm. for thirty years. She was in the spotlight like that, just getting and they shit saw on her and right. exactly. And she kept she kept trying, she kept fighting. And it is true when we covered our Stonewall episode, I did mention how when Judy died, her funeral had been just like two days before, and the queer community was like. We, we cannot have another fucking thing. So yep. when the cops pulled people out of the bar that night, they're like, no, Judy's dead, and we're done with this shit. Yep.
0: And guess what? They were done with it. They were done with the it. last time. Well, not really. But they tried <laughs> to be done with it for the last time. Yeah, right,
1: time. right. Wait, you know what? It started something. Mm-hmm. So while Over the Rainbow is no doubt the most famous of the early queer songs, it does have its predecessors and competitors. Das Lila Lied, which is German for the Lavender Song, is considered the first explicit out anthem and was written in response to Magnus Hirschfeld's launch of the Institute of Sexual Science. This was in, I didn't put it in here, but it was in 1920. Some of the lyrics translated into English asked dramatically, why torment to impose morals of others on us? We, listen to this, are what we are, even if they want to hang us. Um, the final lines, however, have a much more bolder and prouder stance, declaring, Then we will have contended successfully for our rights. We will not suffer anymore, but we will be tolerated
0: that almost sounds like a speech like a, it is the, <laughs> well I'm also reading it well, so no, but like yeah the wording like I couldn't imagine that to the beat of a song I'm like it's a
1: very slow song oh I, is it everything every song that we mentioned is linked in here actually I'm seeing now that I didn't link some of them but I'm gonna go through and, and make sure I linked all the rest because I checked them out and listened to them on uh YouTube mm-hmm. so you can go listen to das lila lead the lavender song if you want to it is uh very much what you would think in 1920s thing but the the words are rousing
0: if you can understand them. <laughs> well do you have an English version? Yes, oh, yeah, okay. that yeah
1: I I put the English version <laughs> on there.
0: <laughs> Among other early songs were gay jazz performer and civil rights activists, Billy Stayhorn's Lush Life, Strayhorn. Strayhorns Lush Life and flamboyant British composer Noel Coward's Mad About a Boy. Because of the time period, the artists could not live openly gay though Strayhorn was about as open as possible. And they certainly could not sing about their love in a serious manner. Instead, early artists often resorted to coy and campy songs meant to poke fun at their circumstances. In "No Coward's Mad About a Boy, he sings, Mad about the boy. I know it's stupid to be mad about the boy. I'm so ashamed of it, but must admit the sleepless nights nice I've had about the boy. He, mel- he melts my foolish heart in every single scene, although I'm quite aware that here and there are traces of the cad. About the boy, <laughs> this is very long. Lord knows I'm not a fool, girl. I really shouldn't care. Lord knows I'm not a schoolgirl in the flurry of her first affair.
1: That's only part of the song. Didn't mm-hmm. do the whole thing, but it's a like, so he kind of like pokes fun. He's like. It's supposed to be like, I have a crush on, uh, um, it was written about an actor at the time. He's mm-hmm. like, I have a crush on this actor at Skene, but you know, it's just, it's just all in good fun. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's not, I wouldn't really. It's uh, just like <laughs> a man
0: crush. That's all. <laughs>
1: exactly. So in these songs, the artists are more open yet at the same time, the music is passed off as lighthearted fun and not to be taken seriously though those in the queer underworld knew better, and the songs were often played in the Molly houses and secret gay bars. But music is an art, and thus self-interpreted, so there were many songs adopted by queer groups along the way that were never specifically about LGBTQ
0: love. One such song was was from the 1957 West Side Story play, There's A Place For Us, and more commonly known as Somewhere. Um, the story of two teens being forced apart because of cultural bias no doubt resonated with queer listeners everywhere after all the lyrics summarized most lgbtq couples dreams perfectly stating there's a place for us somewhere a place for us peace and quiet and open air wait for us somewhere there's a time for us someday there'll be a time for us time together with time to spare time to learn time to care
1: And there's a cover by Barbara Streisand that I would really recommend. I love it. Have you ever Uh, heard that song?
0: No, but I love Barbara Streisand, so I'm sure that cover is incredible. It is beautiful.
1: But as the sexual revolution took off and LGBTQ+, people began to be more open in their cries for equality, the queer anthems took a turn from longing to defiance, which is very interesting, I found, as I was researching, because you do, it's like, All these before 1960 are very much, I wish we could be together. Oh, Mm -hmm. I wish you one day we will. And then in the 1960s, that's when people start, they're getting mad and they're Mm -hmm. like, no, we're fucking like, get off our backs and let us be. One very popular song among the homos of the days was the 1964 recording of You Don't Own Me by Leslie Gore.
0: You don't own me. Yes. Oh, I love that song. That's a
1: great one. Which was later covered in 1970 by future out lesbian Dusty Springfield. In fact, the rumors were already swirling around Dusty that she might swing that way. And she told the London Standard in 1970, I don't know what I am as... I don't know that I'm as perfectly capable of being swayed by a girl as by a boy. "'More and more people feel that way, and I don't see why I shouldn't,' she continued. "'There was someone on television the other day who admitted that he swings either way. "'I suppose he could afford to say it, but I, being a pop singer, "'shouldn't even admit that I might think that way.' But if the occasion rose, I don't see why I shouldn't.
0: I love that she's just like, yeah, I am. But also I'm not going to say I am.
1: <laughs> it's a very, you can read the article. I linked it. And you. it's a very rambling like, oh, yeah, but well, maybe I am. But maybe I'm not. Probably not. But um, I mean, I could. Never I don't know. know.
0: <laughs> In truth, the singer had already experienced many occasions to be with a woman. And 13 years later, she would marry actress Tita. Bra- yeah. Brocky. Bro- bro-
1: Tita Brashy. Brashy. I something. Don't know.
0: Broccoli. I don't know. <laughs> It was due to the singer's rumored orientation and You Don't Own Me's defiant lyrics that made Springfield's rendition of the song so popular in gay bars, as did Gloria Gaynor's 1978 mega hit, I Will Survive, where the legend belts out, I will survive. That's it. You got it. (laughs) Everybody knows I Will Survive.
1: Exactly. Of course they do. Walk out the door. Turn around now. You're not welcome anymore.
0: And then it just gets more and more aggressive as you go on.
1: Exactly. And you just... Mm -hmm. Can you believe that song was written in 1978? And you still, man, that you can you lock put that out on. So hard, everybody
0: will. Fucking, everybody loses their yep. mind.
1: <laughs> and then there was a the Tom Robinson band's 1977 "In Your Face," glad to be gay, which gave the British public and the world a piece of our mind with this harsh sarcasm on reality. The biting words matched a somber yet darkly whimsical tune as lead singer Tom Robinson confronted the world. The British police are the best in the world. I don't believe one of the stories I've heard about them raiding our pubs for no reason at all, lighting the customers up by the wall, picking out people and knocking them down, resisting arrest as they're kicked on the ground, searching our houses and calling them queer. I don't believe that sort of thing happens here. Sing if you're glad to be gay. Sing if you're happy that way. And it repeats. You gotta listen oh, to it. That sounds
0: like a good song. <laughs> it's not as good
1: as you read these songs, but unfortunately, neither Paula and I can really sing, so and you guys are stuck. And
0: we also can't afford a lawsuit or rights to the Well music. we probably
1: could play like Over the Rainbow. Like there's a couple songs. A lot of these songs are, are past the fifty year mark. I don't know how but, that works. But um so yeah, yeah, you know, again we don't if have the money for listen. royalties. So that's why we've given you the link so you can listen to them yourselves.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yet with the violence and backlash of the budding gay rights movement, there is also finally some hope. And so the end of the 1970s sparked the beginning of celebrating pride with songs like ABBA's Dancing Queen, which I love that song, mm-hmm. and the Village People's Macho Man. Yet it was 80, it was the 80s that really exploded with many of the pops we still hear frequently today. Starting the decade strong with the 1980 release of Diana Ross's hit song, I'm Coming Out, the song itself has nothing to do with the LGBT community. However, the term coming out is steeped deep in our history.
1: And the phrase seems to have come from the queer drag balls hosted in the black and brown communities during the early to mid-20th century.
0: Which, are you the one who told me they were wanting to make a ball show? Yes. But they were, like, trying to cast all white people?
1: Well, yeah, they had. they had. Well, it wasn't all white people, but it was definitely, like, people that weren't that culture. Like, one of the people they wanted to cast, um, I think she's um, I don't, maybe Pakistani or uh, Indian. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But she's not... It, but she's not like this is specifically black and Latinx culture. Mm-hmm. That did the drag balls. And so you have these people that are white who are um, who are not from that culture, trying to judge that culture. And not only is that insulting, but you don't get a valid judging because you're not from it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they were trying to do that. And there's a big backlash over the casting over that show. Who knows if they're going to go forward? Probably, you know. They probably. Just, they'll
0: just do it anyway. Exactly.
1: They just wait for things to b- die down and then they do the fucking shit anyways. But, yes. Yes. So um so during the black so during the drag balls uh, with black and brown communities the concept of a gay man coming out to his friends um, was often popular and th- this form of coming out can actually be traced back to the molly houses of the 16 and 1700s if you remember our molly bars episode we talk about that where you would get dressed up and you would introduce yourself yep. and it was like a, that's also where like these terms like the girls comes because the Bent-neck girls. Betty.
0: Huh? Betty. Bit, neck
1: Bit neck, yes, exactly. <laughs> the drag early d- molly bar drag queens, but like like the girls would get together and they were all it was all meant and created as this pun on debutante balls and ball yep. society. And then black and Latinx cultures in America, especially, took this and made it a whole affair. So it was a queer culture in, bro- in poor neighborhoods that made the balls a regal affair. As early as 1931, the Baltimore Afro-American published a piece on these balls. Stating, the coming out of new debutantes into homosexual society was an outstanding feature of Baltimore's eighth and annual Frolic of the Pansies.
0: Which, if you uh, want a little bit of an insight into ball culture, watch Pose on Netflix. Yes. It's not an uplifting show, it's very sad. I would say a lot of the episodes. I haven't gotten very far into it. Yeah. Don't know if it turns comedy at all. But no, it's not comedy. Okay. Didn't think <laughs> so. Because David and I are slowly watching it. Because it's like <laughs> when you watch an episode, it's like God. It gets you. It gets you. Because it's real. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. it's great. I highly recommend it. It is hard to watch, kind of, because you're not gonna you're not gonna watch it and feel good after. <laughs> yeah.
1: But it's excellent, and it is. It, it's all black and brown. Yep. And um, it's casted. It has cast
0: trans women. It has like. A, an appropriate cast of who would be These characters
1: It has the largest LGBTQ production force In um, in Probably American, Ma- American filmogra- Filmography And um, It has the largest cast of trans characters
0: mm-hmm. so. so Other songs of the decade had no ties To the LGBTQ aside from our Love to dance and party Whitney's I want to dance to somebody <laughs> um, Which I all of these songs like are starting to come back to my head now. Yeah. The Weather Girls, It's Raining Men, and Chairs. Chairs.
1: Chairs? Wow. Are you trying to get us killed by the gay mafia? What and the sh- fuck?
0: And shares Believe. Hey, you put some weird names in here. I just go with them as I just see some them. some
1: weird names? It's Cher.
0: Cher is a weird what name. What the
1: hell? Wow, you lost <laughs> your gay card. We're going to have to find you a nice girl to settle down with. That wouldn't work.
0: So they were placed on repeat. And, at any gay, and all the gay clubs... Um, Across, Across the, the continents. Continent. Our hope and resiliency are significant when one considers the darkness of the 1980s. After some initial wins in the 70s, such as the declassification of homosexuality as a mental disorder, the 1980s brought a staunch wave of conservatism following the outbreak of the AIDS epidemic. LGBTQ rights seemed stalled in a social-wide stance of don't ask, don't tell, as if society as a whole was ready to accept the queer people existed and to to leave us alone, provided we didn't show our queerness to the general public
1: yeah you see that it, the, the 80s is a really hard time because the 70s it seemed like so much progress yeah, it was being seemed like made. everything was changing right yeah you have Stonewall and then people are marching in the streets organizations are popping up everywhere and people and then the declassification by the DSM-5 and people are like that's it see we're gonna have this gay, mm-hmm. gay revolution and then the 80s come and it all stagnates and
0: for it took until the 2010s. 10 years
1: yeah well, I mean, yeah, but like, it's, everything. it's 10 years before you have any more legislation yeah. that moves forward. Like it just stuck there. Um, fucking Reagan, fucking Reagan. Exactly. That conservatism. But that's what I mean. That's what's so beautiful though, because you see these big hits and like, you can just imagine a gay bar in the eighties. Like your friends are dying around you. Everything's like, you're like, I don't know if it's ever going to get better. And you're just dancing to shares believe, you know, like, Wow. So this was especially true for many LGBTQ people, the, uh, the hardships, um, who knew that they could find love and express themselves now, but they could not do it at home. Most would have to leave their families and friends behind and head to a city where they could find others like them. The Bronski Beat released a song in 1984 that spoke directly about their issue. Their song and music video, To Small Town Boy, tell the story of a youth kicked out of the house because of his sexual inclinations. The song begins with these lyrics, You leave in the morning with nothing, you leave in the morning with everything you own in a little black case. Alone on a platform, the wind and the rain on a sad and lonely face. Mother will never understand why you had to leave, but the answers you seek will never be found at home. The love that you need will never be found at home. Um, That's crazy because
0: it returns to that like 1940s vibe Mm -hmm. because you saw them like get more and more aggressive and more out and like we are who we are and then boom, right back down.
1: Exactly, and you come crashing back down, and you gotta watch that music video. It's it's so sad. Um, it's a British band, and he, you know, and he does, and it shows. It's a video, and this is nineteen eighty four. He's showing a video of a, a boy who's obviously gay who's get beaten up because he's gay, and his parents kick him out of their house because uh, they can't accept him. And yeah, it's it's a good mm-hmm. song, but um, yeah,
0: you know, sacrifices. Wait, is it me or you? It's you. Oh. Yet our sacrifice only made our pride stronger. The 1990s brought a huge wave of positive visibility to the LGBT community. Unfortunately, it started with the appropriation of queer and black Latinx culture through Madonna's iconic Vogue. Of course, the pop star insists she was merely inspired by the New York City ball scene. But people of color have heard that line plenty of times before. And we have to take serious issue with the fact that Madonna chose to call out all white performers during her supposed homage. Even if many of them were queer, none of them would have e- ever been part of the ball scene she supposedly was honoring.
1: I'm talking about like when she stops and goes, like Greta Garbo, whatever, you mm-hmm. know, she, Betty White. Like she talks about all these, like you're voguing and you're talking about, <clears throat> you're, you're, they're, like talking about how these people had, uh, Grace Kelly, these people had style Grace. Um, and you're, you're saying that you're paying homage to, black and Latinx culture but then in the people that you name in your your song are all white people mm-hmm. and even if you're like well they were, a lot of them were queer like Greta Garbo were queer white people that doesn't matter you're right. still not paying homage and that line is so huge like I'm just honoring you yeah. right I'm just honoring your culture like you, you dress up as like a Native American for Halloween oh and God, you're God, like hell, I'm Drea? just honoring your culture right? bitch no you're not <laughs> You're making fun of it. <laughs> exactly. Still, we can't deny the attention and popularity the song brought to queer, to the queer-created art form. Because that's the thing about Vogue; it's so problematic. But you also see that it completely shifted yep. queer exposure. Yeah. So Madonna did hire six gay dancers to star with her in her performances and in her wildly popular music video. Music video. She also gave credit to the two ball performers with whom she initially brought on to teach her voguing. Jose Gutierrez was one of the ball scene voguers she brought on to set, and in 2017, he stated in an interview, I don't look at it as she took from the LGBTQ community. In reality, I feel that she took two of our own of the community and gave us this opportunity and brought us to the forefront. So I think that was her way of giving back to the community. And it's hard to know, too, because, like, I think that Madonna honestly cares about the LGBTQ community much more accepting than most of the stars that have been and are out there, and I think she did want to give back, but I also think she wanted to make money. And I th-
0: and I also think there was a little bit of that privilege in there where she didn't realize yeah. that by not bringing these people to the forefront, by not using them in her music video, by not mentioning their names, yeah, she was just using her white. She was like translating it to white people exactly. And I mean, it helped that community, sure, but it could have helped even more.
1: Yeah, it's just, a, yeah, it's hard to know. I mean, again, this is 1990. So again, we're going back 30 years mm-hmm. and it's the time period and it's the fact that nobody is even, is talking about gay things in public yet. You Like the gay rights movement is happening. People are, are marching in the streets, yes, but like you're not talking about it on television and radio yet. There's been a few little things, but most of those shows or whatever has been shut down immediately. Yep. So this big, huge star takes this queer culture and she exposes it. Um, She just wasn't the right person to do it. And then people are like, but if Madonna didn't do it, then who could have done it? And then it gets in this vicious circle. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, at the end of the day, you can't appropriate someone's culture and so uh, yeah you listen to black and brown people that's what i say i say that we're two white guys and we probably shouldn't (laughs) talk too much about it because we don't know what we're talking about (laughs) so go ahead
0: whatever the truth is we can say that vogue was a cultural shift towards the beginning of acceptance to open queer art Um, this was visible just two years later when drag queen rupaul ranked number two on billboards hot dance club songs with his worldwide smash supermodel aka you better work while there was a plenty of hate and backlash the numbers spoke for themselves and it showed the process around lgbtq acceptance here was an openly gay man in full drag singing a dance song that wasn't queer specific and everyone was openly enjoying the song and i actually had a coworker who was 15 20 years older than me and he's mm-hmm. straight and he said it like all the the nightclubs, like even the straight nightclubs, this song was on because yeah. I was talking to him one time about something and RuPaul came up and he said, oh, yeah, cover girl. And, you know, he yeah. like knew RuPaul, even though he's completely separated from the queer community. Yeah.
1: And I think that that what RuPaul like that, what that shifted was that before, if someone was openly gay and they sang, you could only sing about gay songs. Mm-hmm. And then you would limit your sales. Yeah.
0: And your audience, you had, you know, very specific audience. Exactly.
1: Or you could be, you could be like, there could be rumors about you're gay, like, you know, Elton John or something. Um, but then you your music couldn't, I don't know, like. Um,
0: you couldn't solidify the queer artistry of it. You had to just exactly. be. Exactly. Play the heteronormativity
1: exactly perfectly explained and so but RuPaul very queer but it's a song that everyone enjoys but it's not about queer things but you know it's still really super queer right. i mean he's singing it in drag mm-hmm. and so the the all of that fused together and becoming number 2 on the billboard and then it, it was a worldwide hit yep. like that is where you see the huge shift that's where you see like a like a light bulb switch on and things to really change so the days of the stars hiding their sexuality weren't oh, weren't over, they still technically are not in a lot of cases, but not all, Mm -hmm. yet this proved that you could be open and successful. And with that came more open LGBTQ stars sharing their music. Now, instead of the queer community always having to adopt straight singers' music as their own, the sables were often turned. Instead, straight singers could adopt the music of openly queer artists, such as Melissa Etheridge, Come to My Window. Or Come
0: to my window. window. I love Melissa Etheridge. (laughs) It's such a good feel we were that sounded good in my head but i know when i go to edit this we're both going to be on completely different notes oh, and yeah. one of us is going to be flat and what it, did
1: i say we're not singers that's why we have not sang hardly at all <laughs> through this entire episode about music okay you don't want us to although i feel like we could do we probably could pull off of we could do some,
0: just lower your voice and have she's, that weird like twanginess you know
1: she's in our our vo- vocal range <laughs> Or the Rent musical hit, Take Me or Leave Me, sung by a lesbian mm-hmm. couple. So these were popular songs that everybody could enjoy.
0: Today we are fortunate to have a wide variety of artists from all genres, and identities to fill our pride playlists and fuel our parties with great music. But many of the songs of the past still apply and are played frequently, often with nostalgia as we remember those before us or as we remember our own moments where we danced freely and unashamed. As you build your own list this month, make sure you add some of the standards.
1: And your recommended resources are all of the above videos, which we have linked in our online script. I would especially um, challenge you to look at Glad to be Gay. I think mm-hmm. that's a really great one. Um, I like the Bronski Beats, uh, Small Town Boy. Listen, and you
0: don't got anything else to do. Exactly. Fucking click the links. Dusty,
1: <laughs> Dusty Springfields, you don't own me. Check them out. Um, your homework is to create a playlist. Of queer artists, mm-hmm. queer only artists and share it to with songs. your queer story. Or it could be songs about queer love. So like, what's that? Metro did the, I think she likes girls or something. I have no that, idea. that was a, it was a little bit older song, but yeah. So if it's about queer love in a positive way. Do not put Tattoo on
0: there. They are not real lesbians.
1: That they sang a lesbian song. That's they are the not real lesbians. Point. So They what? pretended the to
0: be. Le- th- it was fake. It was a scam. So what? Why? They were appropriating queer culture for themselves.
1: <laughs> All right. Fine. See if you. I saw my like playlist, but I guess you could take it off uh, of yours. Um. But yeah. So I hope you enjoy your pride. Get that playlist bumping because you're going to need it to get you through this month and keep your pride levels
0: high. Yes. And Sarah, if you're listening, hello. I my I, re- I was told my therapist about the podcast. <laughs> So she'll probably say hi if she's listening. I don't know. Good she looked it job. up. Good <laughs> job. Oh, I,
1: there was someone I wanted to give a shout out to. I can't remember who it was. Oh, who was I supposed to give a shout out to? Know. Oh, God. I got to get better at that. Um, but yes, check it out. Um, we'll have some more resources for you guys. So, group in Baltimore. It's a queer group in Baltimore. Wow. I got to think of it. I right, oh, have to post something. But guys... Um, stay connected to your queer siblings, especially during this month. Mm-hmm. And Stay queer. Don't get a lobotomy. We
0: love you, our little allied hookers.
1: little we'll sucking with sophists.
0: Resist the oppressors, our proud
1: homocrats. Have yourself a proud sodomy circus.
0: Or don't, but still be prideful. <laughs> Bye. Bye!
1: Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at
0: Your Queer Story. Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory.
1: And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory.
0: See you next week. Bye. Bye.